We've all heard the statistics cited about 80% of businesses failing within the first five years. And those that make it five years, 80% will fail in the next five years. So how do we keep our businesses from being one of those statistics? What are the most common causes and how do we avoid those? Running a service business can be hard. It is not unusual for business owners in industries like contracting, home repair, auto repair, business-to-business services like janitorial, IT and accounting, and many others to feel overwhelmed by all the priorities facing them at any given time. Between addressing the needs of the customers, managing the employees, figuring out the financials, and getting processes in place, feeling like you're making significant progress on your business journey can be difficult. Welcome to Service Industry Success, hosted by Brian Harding. Each week, Brian will look at real-world strategies for building the business you are dreaming of, while also sharing tactics to get through some of the most frustrating parts of business ownership with a lot more ease. Let's get started. There are seven primary reasons a business will fail. I call them the seven deadly defects. Today, in part two of our series, we're going to talk about a counterproductive culture. Now, of the seven, this is probably the the least credited for the devastating impact it can have on a business. While we can easily see the damage of a counterproductive culture in the extreme, it's way less obvious in in more minor cases or less severe cases, even though the damage is still quite significant. I think it's important for us to remember that this is, uh, that a productive or counterproductive culture is not an on-off proposition, and it's definitely not a static situation. The degree in which your employees want the company to succeed succeed, or support the company's initiatives is more like a scale where you have a, a minus 10 at one end, a zero in the middle, and a plus 10 at the other end. Or a survey question that with the question sounds like, how would you describe your desire to support the company and its initiatives, which has answers like strongly work towards, somewhat work towards, indifference, somewhat work against, and strongly work against. And the collective mood of the employees ebbs and flows throughout the days, weeks, months, and years. And all of those happen independently. There could be a trend of uh, employees moving more towards or away from supporting the company's initiatives over the course of a year. And then week to week, it varies some as well. So this is not a, it's not an easy thing to put your thumb on. It's not an easy thing to keep track of. Uh, it moves a lot, and you have the more people you have, the more independent voices you have or independent thoughts you have about people who want to support the company or are indifferent or frankly work against it. So most of us have worked for companies which have had a group of employees which seem to work very hard against the company's success. Personally, I've worked for a, few, a company a few times or companies a few times which had employees who were almost like rooting for the company to fail, which always seemed really odd to me. In one case, the, complete, the company went completely under. And another case uh, where I worked for a company, the company shrunk about 80%. Now, in every one of those cases, I personally, personally witnessed this, the employees strongly disliked their manager. In the cases I've witnessed, the manager um, has earned the content from the employees for one reason or another. Uh, also, in every one of those cases, um, and probably ones you've experienced as well, the manager had justified their position or tactics or strategies and just was not willing to entertain the idea of changing their behavior or their posture or their practices. Uh, it seems that the more um, 
ingrained or entrenched a manager is to um, irritating their employees or whatever, the the least likely they are, less likely they are to want to change their motive, their their position or their tactics or strategies or whatever. It's an odd dynamic that uh, seemingly the more you irritate your employees, the less you want to hear that you irritate your employees. Um, so this includes managers who were like complete tyrants, like just mean or cruel, uh, just vicious individuals. Uh, it includes people, managers and business owners who had kind of an air of superiority as, as though that they were just a little bit better than everybody else. And, and duh, the employees begin to resent them for that. Um, this includes people or managers who have, um, would describe themselves as having quote unquote a temper. Although I would describe it more like, you know, tantruming, throwing a temper tantrum, like a, like a toddler would. Um, and it also includes, um, less obvious situations where the managers would avoid conflict and leave it to their team to take on the burden of difficult decisions or dealing with difficult employees. Uh, this includes uh, less obvious things like managers who are just kind of indifferent to their employees or their their employees' happiness or success, their personal, professional success. Um, and it also includes managers who are focused on getting the tasks done with little reg regard for aligning the goals of the employee with the goals of the company. Um, in that particular case, you know, it's more of a, well, the company just needs this to get done and that's just the way it is. And we all just need to shut up and do what the company needs and move along. And I, you know, <laughs> there's time for that, I suppose, but if that's the default mode and that's the default motivational uh, structure, uh, I just, I don't think that there's a lot of longevity there. And I don't think employees are going to uh, really want to commit to the company succeeding. If that's the reward It's just, well, the company just needs more. <laughs> that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. So in these cases that where, the, where it's less obvious, it's more of a passive thing or indifference, um, the employees didn't necessarily resent the manager to the degree they did when it's a complete tyrant or just somebody cruel, but they wouldn't necessarily go out of their way to really strive for the company's success either. So especially in the case of indifference, uh, it's kind of a funny thing. When you tell employees just be quiet and focus on getting the task at hand done, um, they'll eventually leave or They'll do exactly what you told them, which is just shut up and wait to be told what to do. Now, in those cases, um, this means the only way the business can improve or find efficiencies or find ways to better serve the customer uh, is for the business owner or the manager to find those improvements and implement those. So if we've taught our employees to sit back and be quiet and do what they're told because that's what the company needs and we haven't really aligned what's in it for the employee to get on board with this stuff, we're going to find ourselves in a situation where only we can motivate or only we can find and implement improvements or changes or, or things that better the performance of the company because the employees are just sitting back waiting to be told what to do. Now, again, this is not an on-off situation and it's not static. Some days, employees will be more inclined to find improvements and bring those to the forefront. And other days, they'll be more inclined to just sit back and wait to be told what to do. So how do we know if this is the case in our business? If we know that the more... Um, uh, the manager or business owner that irritates their employees uh, or the less they want, they irritate, the more they irritate their employees, the less they want to hear about it. Excuse me for stumbling through that. Um, so how do we know if that's the case in our business? If, if we know the people who are, are likely to be 
making the employees unhappy or or the employees are resenting the manager or business owner, those who are are heavily prone to do that are least likely to want to hear that they're doing something that maybe could be improved upon. So I guess one of the ways you could you could tell um, is if you feel like you're the only one who can make improvements or come up with new ideas or things like that, then I would suggest that you might have a, a culture that is not proactive in looking for improvements and efficiencies and solutions. Um, if you can, if you can look back on the last week or month or year or whatever and cite cases where people have brought things to you and said, Hey, we can make improvements here or there. Then I would say you have a very uh, forward moving, uh, passionate, helpful culture. If it feels to you like it's pulling teeth to get improvements made and you're the only one who can come up with those ideas, then I would say we maybe we have some work to do on, on getting the culture on board or getting the, the team on board. So I think in, in order to make improvements in this area, one of the first things we'd have to do, like everything in business, is we have to determine um, what level of support for the company and its initiatives we're aiming for. Like anything, if we don't have a goal, we're not likely to meet the goal. If we just kind of bumble our way through things and stumble our way through, um, we're not likely to find the success that we would be hoping for. But just like anything else, having a productive culture is something we can aim for. We can determine that we want to have a culture that of people who are very much supporting the company and its initiatives and its success. So how we aim for uh, what we aim for will dictate, of course, our our decision making, our processes, how we approach things, our posture. It will dictate a whole lot of things as far as uh, how we conduct ourselves and and how we put people in places to make good decisions if our aim is for them to really want to support the company and want to support the company's initiatives. So um, if we if we say things like, you know, I've worked for people before who when you would say, like, if you were posing the question, which I pose oftentimes to people, um, what's in it for the employee to do this? Their default answer would be, well, they get a paycheck. That's the deal. Um, and I always kind of think and, and sometimes say, well, every company offers a paycheck. What, what's in it for the employee to work here? You know, in a general sense, what, what's in it for the employee to work here is a question we, you know, I think we should be asking kind of all the time. Um, I gave an example a couple weeks ago of of a situation where an employee was doing something completely counter to helping the company move forward. And the business owner basically had to bail this employee out every day. And my question to the business owner was the same then. Like, what's in it for the employee to stop doing this? You're going to bail them out every day. What's in it for them to quit? What's in it for them to start doing what you need them to do? Um, and same thing for for other things like we, I think we need to be asking what's in it for people to do this. Not that we're going to be looking for giving out bonuses every time we need something done or increasing their pay every time we need something done. But I think we do need to have a handle on why would somebody want to do this? Because people are more inclined to do things that benefit them, uh, that they understand, that they understand the reason why. So if we can, if we can make that part of our decision-making process, when we implement things, or roll out ideas or raise expectations or whatever, if we can start asking ourselves what's in it for the employee to do this, just we have a handle on, you know, what, what are we up against, if anything? Or are these people naturally inclined to want the company to be successful? If so, great. If if we're if we need to find a different reason, if it's specific uh, something that's a little more challenging for the employee to do, or they just naturally wouldn't want to do this for whatever reason, or they think it's hard or not achievable or whatever, 
Um, I think it's important for us to start asking, like, what's in it for them to want to do this? And that's my goal is for them to want to do these things, not to be doing them because they they're being threatened or they get a paycheck. <laughs> you know, that's not I don't think that's um, entirely uh, a, a long term motivational strategy. Now, does that mean that they're going to want to do every single thing that we're going to ask them to do? No, probably not. I would imagine that's probably a little unrealistic. Um, but because my approach is for them to want to do things, I just approach things different. Or my, my end goal is for them to want to do things. I just approach things differently. Part of, of rolling out anything is what's in it for them to do this? Why would they want to do this? Um, so do I think my company's culture is better because of that? Absolutely. Because that's part of the conversation. And I, and that's not a conversation I have with myself. That's a conversation I have with the employees. Sometimes I just say, listen, this is kind of hard. Why would you want to do this? And let's have that discussion. You know, sometimes they're going to say things like, well, the company needs to be successful and that's awesome. Uh, sometimes they're going to say things like, well, I need to improve. I need to grow. I want to be, I want to, you know, I want my career to advance someday. So I need to make improvements and, and, uh, and changes so I can enhance my own path. That's great to hear to also. If we find out the answer is nobody knows why somebody would want to do this, then we, we've got some challenges here. we got some work to do. we got to figure that out because the likelihood people are going to continue to do something that nobody can explain or articulate why they would want to do this. I think that's, that's asking a lot that we would expect any kind of longevity for any kind of initiative or endeavor or process or goal. If nobody can explain why the employee would want to do this stuff, then I don't think it's very likely for it to continue to happen. Um, so I think we need to to accept a couple of things about human nature. Um, again, people, including our employees, are more likely to do things that benefit them. They're more likely to do things that they understand. Um, and we just have to acknowledge that. We have to stop pretending like our employees are the exception. They're not. Uh, they're people, too. And they're going to behave the same way all the rest of us do. Um so another thing I think we need to acknowledge is that we are probably biased about our own culture. If somebody asks you, hey, how's your company culture? How's your employee mood? How's the mindset of your team? Uh, we're probably going to assume or lean towards things that are a little better than they are in reality. Um, that doesn't make us bad people. Doesn't mean we're not good, good at assessing things. Just means we have a bias about this. So we, we better be honest and accept that. Um, so we can look for specific behaviors that are likely to produce a bad culture and hold ourselves accountable for not displaying those behaviors rather than uh, relying on our assessment of the culture, which is probably flawed as our gauge for how we're doing. Um, we know there's certain behaviors that are going to uh, annoy people, our team. They're going to make them angry. They're going to resent us. if we display certain behaviors. I think we need to um, identify what those are pretty easy to point out. We've all worked for somebody who's displayed them. Like I gave some examples of a tyrant or somebody who's just indifferent or just doesn't care you know, what the employee thinks. Just shut up and do what you're told. Uh, those are the behaviors that we can see pretty easily that are going to have a bad impact. On the other side, things are a little, little more uh, hard to identify is when uh, a manager is just indifferent to making or, or, or reluctant to make decisions because they don't like to be the bad guy. Uh, they want somebody else to have to deal with the problems and they don't want to, they don't want somebody not to like them. So they're going to, they're going to run away from conflict and leave that on the employee's shoulders to take care of. That's not any less damaging. It's less um, cruel. It seems like in the moment, but over time it's just as damaging. So um, 
And if you don't like my methodology of asking what's in it for them, I get that. You could try something like, how would I want my child's employer to uh, address this or handle this? Or how would I want my, if I, my niece or nephew worked for a company, how would I hope that they would roll something like this out? You don't have to ask the same question I do. I do think you have to have a question asked, though, to, to make sure we're keeping balance here between what the company needs, what the comp customer needs, and what the employee needs. That's always a balance that we have to work really hard to strike, I think, in my opinion anyway. Um, if we want to have longevity on anything, the employees got to kind of want to do this stuff. We can't just be cracking the whip all the time and like making them do things they don't want to do. We, we can't have freedom if that's the case. We cannot step away from the business ever if that's our modality. So the, the way to get to where we can step away from our business for, for more than a day or two is to get the employees to want to do things. So I think the first step is <clears throat> let's just decide what level of support we want from the employees and then determine what we have to do to achieve that. So if we were to ask that question, you know, on the, on the, the poll question, you know, how would you rate your support of the company and its initiatives uh, strongly working towards somewhat working towards indifference uh, somewhat working against and strongly working against, I think we would all aim for the first one. We would all want somebody, an employee or a group of employees all strongly working towards supporting the company and its initiatives. Um, but I don't know that we necessarily consciously make that a goal. And I think that that's like anything. That's the first step is, is identifying what the goal is and working towards that. So one of the most common reasons a business fails is because of a counterproductive culture. Uh, this one is not as obvious as just like running out of cash um, or not having a good product. Um, but I don't know about you guys, but I've certainly seen, I've worked in situations where the culture absolutely killed the company. In one case, specifically, the culture put them out of business. In another case, the company shrunk at least 80%, maybe 90%. And it was strictly because the employees resented the company for putting them in bad situations. Um, I think managers and business owners who create or contribute to a counterproductive culture cannot always or will not always be able to tell if they're part of the problem. I think that's really hard because if you asked a hundred managers, do you think you're a good manager? Well over 90% would probably say yes. If you ask the employees of those hundred managers, do you have a good manager? Probably 25% of the employees would say yes. That's a huge gap. And I think that's just human nature. People are not likely to point out that they're doing something that's not as good as they could. Um, so we can't rely upon our own assessment because we're going to be biased. Um, so we have to just be aware that our bias is going to um, sway us towards thinking that things are better than they probably are. Uh, it's also important to remember that counterproductive culture is not an on-off situation or a static situation. There's degrees, you know, like that five, the five question or five answers to our poll question, you know, indifference is one of them. People just don't care one way or the other. That's one of them. It's not on or off and it's not static. This is a moving uh, situation at all times. Um, I think we have to choose a goal about how we want our employees to support the company and its initiatives. And we must work with human nature rather than fighting it. What I mean by that is just coming to grips with the fact that people are more likely to do things if they want to do it, period. They will do things that they don't want to do sometimes, but it's not sustainable, and it's certainly not sustainable without somebody watching. So if the goal is for us to have freedom and not feel like our business owns us all the time, then we have to have people who want the company to succeed. We have to have people who want the company to do well enough that they will do things on their own without being told to or made to to make improvements or just to keep things running. Um, and we also must acknowledge that we're going to have um, – um, 
our own bias, like I said, in our in our uh, employees' perception of happiness is not going to be uh, in alignment. So that can't be our sole barometer or gauge on how how things are going. I think we just have to identify the behaviors we know will create a counterproductive culture and and avoid those and identify what they are and hold ourselves and our leadership team accountable for not displaying those. And that includes includes things like being too passive and not taking care of situations that that the manager should be taking care of. And again, for me, uh, asking my key question in the moment, which is what's in it for the employee to do that? Again, it does not mean I'm going to incentivize them monetarily or with any kind of extra perks. I just need to have a handle on why would an employee want to do this if I have any hope that, that this could be something we can do long term. You can ask your own key question. Again, it could be how would I wish my kid's manager or my niece or nephew's manager would handle a situation like this? That's fine. I just think we have to have a question we ask in the moment as we roll these things out to make sure we're maintaining that balance. So uh, that's it for this week on the uh, part two of our series, counter or, uh, The Seven Deadly Defects. This week was counterproductive culture. Uh, I would just like to say thank you for everyone who's taking the time to give us a review. We've got uh, all five-star reviews. That's awesome. Appreciate that. I would ask that if you know a friend or you have a friend who's a uh, owner of a service industry uh, company, uh, please share this with them. You can you can send it through text, email. Uh, there's all kinds of fancy ways to do that kind of stuff now. Um, if you have time and you haven't yet, please give us a review. A five-star review would be awesome. Um, that's the way to grow these things is to share and rate and review. That's kind of how podcasts work. So thank you for those of you taking the time to do it. And uh, please take a moment if you haven't so far and uh, help us out with that. That would be fantastic. Anyhow, that's it for this week. I'm Brian Harding with Service Industry Success, and I'll see you all next week.